Hello and welcome to another edition of the Federal's Files. In this one, I will not be going over a Federal's paper, but rather uh, I'm going to be talking about some of the the debates having to do with uh, voter fraud right now in the election. Uh, the media, if you look up online voter fraud, it is all these different fact-checking sites, um ran by different enterprises with different uh, intentions and I have you know if you go on Facebook you go on Twitter you go on Instagram it seems like there's been a decision somehow that uh that Biden has been appointed anointed by the by the mainstream media and uh, there really is no provision in our constitution that gives him the presidency based on what the media says or thinks. Uh, also, it seems like the opinion of many out there right now that the election is over and they have already appointed Biden as the next incoming president. And, uh, I mean, I, I'm i going to admonish everybody in saying I don't, I don't think it's over. I think that this thing's going to drag on for another maybe two to three weeks and just litigation. Uh, I also find it very odd and very telling that when you go to search on Google of any type of election fraud, you can't find anything. And you also can't even really find the litigation that the Trump administration has put forward with his lawyers in terms of that voter fraud and his uh, and, and his attempts to try to get a recount or what have you his attempts at litigation, you really you really just can't find it. I mean, I've been looking for it. you got to turn on certain news networks to get it. Other news networks are already covering it because I, I believe it was CNN today was the first one to uh, anoint Biden as our next president. So I'm going to go over a couple of... Because, because the big promulgated phrase from our media right now is there is no widespread voter fraud, which... Which may be true, because they are, they are promulgating this narrative that there is no widespread voter fraud. If, if voter fraud had to be widespread, you'd have to be able to make the argument that it was pervasive. It was something that was existent in all of the different counties throughout the country. Uh, every single poll, polling location, that's, that's the argument that you would have to make. And this is dumbing down the argument. This is a, this is a statement that makes people that are objectors to the statement live at that level, try to make the argument that there is widespread voter fraud. Now, I'm not going to make the argument there's widespread voter fraud because I don't know how you really can, because I'm not, I'm not in every single county. There's not reports coming out of voter fraud in every single county or every single polling location. Now, but I will be able to make the argument uh, with multiple news sources that I had to go on Bing to find because Google won't allow it through their algorithm to show up because they are throttling certain search results and they do and they have often for a very long time have been influence our our political discourse uh, political opinions of people that are not as you know interested in politics people that just see headlines and they take that headline instead of reading the entire article what they do is they'll take that headline as fact and they won't research it. And to be honest with you, I don't really blame them. Um, if you're a regular American, 
you work 40 hours a week, you have your own personal life, you have your own family, you have other things that you have to worry about. You don't really have the time to look these things up and look into what's going on in our election or our political discourse because it is something that is very verbose. It will take you, it's very time consuming. It's going to take you a very long time to try to study and learn these behaviors, learn different types of government, government system, the way, how many senators we have, you know, House of Representatives, all that information, uh, the two chambers of legislature, the role of our judicial branch, as well as our executive. You don't really learn any of that stuff when you're in school. It's a very, very broad oversight they give you, very broad information, just saying essentially that there's three branches of government, the executive, judicial, as well as the legislature. And that's really all they give you. They don't really give you much information. If you're from my generation, at least, uh, that's what my experience is. So I'm going to have a couple of, uh, and I'm going to leave some links in the description below of all of my sources here. So first and foremost, I have a claim of voter fraud coming from Bongino.com. It is Dan Bongino's website. I will leave the sources below, like I said before. And um, it's a study here. It comes from Just the News. Conducted a county-by-county review to determine the rejection rate of mail-in ballots by the state of Pennsylvania in 2020. What they found was 0.036%. So we're talking a little bit above three-tenths of one percentage point of mail-in ballots were rejected this year compared to 1% in the last election in 2016. Uh, there's a quote here from Just the News. Let's see what I have here. Just the News, he says, Daniel Payne, and I quote, he states, mail-in ballots in Pennsylvania so far this year have been accepted at almost 30 times the rate predicted by historical rejection numbers. That's just a little background information. Then he notes... Only 951 of 2,614,011 mail-in votes were rejected in 2020. So that's how they get that statistic there, that uh, 0.036 of a percentage point. And then he alludes that in 2016, the state of Pennsylvania received 266,208 mail-in ballots and rejected 2,534 which is 0.95 of a percentage. So that's where you're looking at that that close to one percentage point uh, number there. So in the last election that they had in 2016, they had a much smaller margin, about 10 times less mail-in ballots to begin with. And then on top of that, you're looking at a more than double uh, rejection rate, almost triple. So you're looking at about a 2.5% increased uh, rejection rate. Uh, now he states he explains that if we apply this rate to the number of mail-in ballots received by the state this year we would expect approximately 25,000 to be rejected instead only there were 951 denied so so he begs the question here why is it that are you, are you saying that somehow Americans have gotten smarter in these four years and how to fill, fill out their ballots and um are you making that statement right now that they they now somehow don't have the same failure rate? And this is now he's saying so this increase is about a twenty four thousand vote increase that's going to be going on in Pennsylvania here because if you think about that number twenty five thousand 
minus that 900, uh, it's, it's 24,000. It'll be 24,000 extra votes that were casted that would have been thrown out if, you know, that number was consistent, which usually throughout the years, human nature is always the same. So it's always going to, that number will generally be within the standard deviation, which is a statistical term. It'll be somewhat close. Um, so then next here, what I got, it's going to be the Washington Times, uh, com, and they are citing the Judicial Watch. And this, this here is pretty damning. Uh, Judicial Watch finds 1.8 million ghost voters in 29 states warns of dirty elections. And the study found that there was an excess of, of ghost voters, highlights the recklessness of mailing blindly ballots and ballot applications to voter registration lists, uh, dirty voting rolls can mean dirty elections, which is the uh, the writer at the Mr. Fitton over at the Judicial Watch. So some some of these cases, excesses ran as high as 187% in Texas, 177% in New Mexico, and 171% in South Dakota. Now the study the study found that 352 U.S. counties in 29 states managed to have 1.8 million more registered voters than eligible voting age citizens. So we're talking about 1.8 million at least are going to be thrown into the system of voting that are essentially their illegal votes. They're not going to be votes that really should count. And that's to say if every single, you know, let's say New Jersey, you get 200,000 votes of uh, legal registered voters. There's 200,000, let's say, in this state, and you have 300,000 come in. You can guarantee that 100,000 of those votes are illegal votes for sure. Now, who's to say that in New Jersey, every single person that is registered to vote is going to be voting? That's just not the reality, because it's just throughout our history, generally, the voting, the vote, the amount of turnout isn't always 100%. So. Uh, in other words, the registration rates of those counties exceeded 100% of the eligible voters, which I just stated. The study found eight states showing statewide registration rates exceeding 100%, such as Alaska, Colorado, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, Rhode Island, and Vermont, uh, reported Tom Fitton, president of the Watchdog Group. So that's another one there. And then I have another article here from just the news i'm going to also leave that in the description a uh, detroit city worker blows whistle claims ballots were ordered backdated the fbi is currently investigating this and probing it uh, the fbi is investigating allegations of election fraud in detroit after city workers stepped forward and claimed election workers were asked to backdate ballots that had come in after the election deadline had passed multiple officials said so uh that being said, this is something that also happened with the post office. That's going to be my next one. That's going to be my next source here. But a uh, law, senior law enforcement official in Washington confirmed that this investigation was opened up after the whistleblower's concerns were forwarded from the Michigan Republican Party. And the official said the FBI is investigating. So that's just another source there. I mean, essentially what they're doing is... They're backlogging these ballots no matter when they get them. So if they're getting these ballots on, because obviously you still pick up ballots at these ballot boxes, 
or wherever they are dropped off, you're going to pick them up. They're backdating these ballots for November 3rd or a date before that. And they're counting them when they come in after November 3rd, which is a violation of the Constitution. The Constitution does state that the states do have their rights to to run their own elections and administer the, the rules and the standards to an extent. But in terms of the date and time, that's a constitutional standard. And it needs to be done on uh, that day that is set forward. I believe it is even in the Constitution, the date of November 3rd. I'm pretty sure is even in the Constitution every single uh, four years. And then, you know, every two for the midterms. And you also have these weird runoff elections that don't line up. Every single day, though, there is an election uh, day every year. So uh, the next the next uh, article here I have is... The Postal Service Whistleblower Reveals Identity Alleges Voter Fraud. And this is at the Post Millennial. I'm going to have that link. And then as well, interestingly enough, you got Project Veritas on the case here. Project Veritas, anybody that is that is not aware of who they are, uh, it's, it's essentially an organization that sets up sting operations. Uh, actual real journalists get into certain uh, positions... And they exposed these these fraudulent acts. Uh, there was one he had with a teachers' union, with a teacher. Someone was one of his journalists, Mister Mister O'Keefe's one of his journalists, went in to a teachers' union office and told the union member president that deals with affairs. They told them that he was uh, that person assaulted one of the children. Uh, openly told him that and he tried to cover it up so there's videos like that there was videos with minnesota uh ilhan omar you know these individuals that apparently worked for her and were you know taking ballots and they were manipulating the election system i haven't read into that one that much but there was weird video it's a little iffy i don't you know i wasn't really 100 percent sure what the heck was going on there and that whole system and then he, so he has a video that I'm also going to leave up on his Twitter, and it's a video of him talking to the whistleblower that works for the United States Postal, Post, Postal Service, and he is in, let's see if it says where he's at here, New York, Michigan, he's definitely in here somewhere, so that was in Pennsylvania. I don't want to say the individual's name because I do not want them to get doxxed or anything like that. I don't want to put him in jeopardy. But it was in Pennsylvania in particular. I believe it was in uh, Philly in particular. It looks like it's a video of him walking around and O'Keefe or, or one of his representatives asking him questions about the election. And at first, this this gentleman wasn't so forthcoming. He was worried about uh, keeping himself anonymous because of worry for his life and his family which is reasonable, I completely understand, but he said now he will go on the record. And uh, what his allegations are is that he refers that the... His allegation is that the USPS supervisors have instructed postal workers to continue to pick up ballots and intentionally postmark them as coming in on Election Day. The same thing that was going on in the last post in Michigan. And then my very... I think this is my last one here... Yes, and then I'll get on to uh, the Section 230 stuff. 
So the very last source I have is from the New York Post. Uh, this was reported by multiple news sources. I just chose the New York Post because it's the first one that came up when I looked it up. Because I have to particularly type in exactly what I'm looking up because I knew I saw it in the news. But otherwise, if you look it up, you're not going to find it on Google. I'll tell you right now. And uh, this is something that has not only been persistent with people that uh, believed in, I guess, the conservative side or the right side of the political aisle. But this is something that also happened to Tulsi Gabbard when she was running in the nomination for the Democrat Party. She was having the same issue on YouTube. If you looked her up, they were th they were not throttling her in the search results. So if you looked her up on YouTube, you could not find anything about her or her campaign, in particular her name. This was something that was exposed by Steven Crowder. You could probably find it on YouTube if you really, really want to. But so this is not something that is only happening to the right although it does happen to the right much more than it happens to the left and there's a lot of liberals that would be very willing to agree with this uh i know tim pool being one of them he's a big podcaster he's very popular libertarian liberal uh he he currently right now is calling for not he's not calling that there is election fraud but he is calling for an investigation himself because he does believe in transparency in terms of our elections and uh, he's not really, I mean, he, he wants, obviously, he does not want Donald Trump in there, from what I can understand. But he does believe in those constitutional amendments, uh, Bill of Rights. He does follow the Constitution like a classical liberal would, which, which I do appreciate. Uh, there is people that, uh, there are still people that do believe in those standards. And they're, they're much more our friends than people that don't believe in any standards at all. Um, now... This last article from the New York Post is a claim in Michigan uh, that there's a software issue that undercounted Trump's votes. So they found that in a press conference on Friday, they announced in Atrium County, ballots were counted for Democrats that were meant for Republicans, causing a 6,000-vote swing, uh, a clerk came forward and said. There was an issue with the tabulating software, apparently, that counted up these votes, Uh so they said since Cox said, which is the GOP chairwoman of Michigan, Cox said that, and I quote, since then we have now discovered that 47 counties use this same software in the same capacity or more than, and in other words, uh, more than half of Michigan's 83 counties use the exact same tabulating software. I can't, Deterrent, I can't uh, confirm this, but then I was also, there's a bunch of articles saying that other states also use the same exact tabulating software, um, which, you know, to be honest here, in terms of software, uh, those professions, tech professions, they do tend to be much more on the left side. They lean much more left. Obviously, everything that goes on with Twitter, YouTube, uh, Facebook, Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, it's a subsidiary, you do have that left lean, and it is very obvious to anyone that's paying attention or on the other side, you see what's going on with Twitter, where they're, they're, uh, they will not exalt anyone that I even am subscribed to, you will not see any of their stuff, it's blocked out, it won't show up on your feed, and then even when the president puts stuff up, 
they're doing things to shut him down. You can't view what's going on when he when he puts stuff up on Twitter. Sometimes you'll have issues retweeting with the New York Post. The Twitter wouldn't even allow them to post this stuff about Hunter Biden, which some viewers may be completely unaware of what's going on. But Hunter Biden, he left his laptop at a laptop repair shop in uh, in Delaware, and he never came to pick it back up. And after so many days by law in the state of Delaware, that now becomes, I think it's a 90-day period, now becomes the property of that owner that is that is running that shop. So he went and looked through these photos and every all the information on there. So he calls up the FBI. FBI ends up picking up, I guess, the software. They've, they've held it for months now. They've known about what's going on. And, you know, this information didn't re- release until just a week before the election. But the information was... Uh, you got many photos, apparently child pornography on there. There is, they have not, that has not come into the mainstream uh, pictures, obviously, because of laws pertaining to that. There's not supposed to be child pornography on the internet, thank God. And uh, there's pictures of him smoking a crack pipe because he was known as a, as an addict. And, which, you know, I'm not going to sit here and shame anybody from being addicted to something. I mean, it is what it is. I hope everybody can get over whatever issues they have um i'm all about self-betterment myself so but then they found a bunch of emails they found text messages where hunter biden was messaging other people that were in his group talking about you know how he's gonna give the big man 50 percent of his salary and they're setting up all these deals in china and the big man apparently from what reports indicate is supposed to be joe biden so joe biden was Joe Biden was making money off of deals with his son using his influence as the vice president during the Obama presidency to make deals with his son and make millions of dollars off of the American people's backs. Because what's going on in this situation is they are buying, they're essentially lobbying, they're buying influence, they're buying his influence. And then on top of that, you got to understand, if they're buying his influence, they may have other information on Joe Biden that is very damning. So he may be in the pocket of the Chinese government uh, in certain ways where they they can threaten him and blackmail him anyone that is that is uh aware of what goes on in the intelligence agencies if you went to school for any type of national security or intelligence which i wouldn't assume that the regular viewer has there are many types of scenarios of blackmail where years ago it was uh very frowned upon to be a homosexual where some agents special agents would be caught would pretty much be entrapped into uh, having sex with a man when they were actually secretly gay, but they didn't want to come out with it, and then that would be used against them for blackmail because they didn't want to admit it. Because let's say they were married with a wife at home, you know. So that so that's not an unusual scenario that they could somehow have some sort of information. We we have no idea what kind of information China has on him, but we do know from what it from what we've seen here that his his son had relationship with China. And according to him, and according to that, uh, I believe his name is Bobolinsky or what have you. He's the he's the business part, partner of Hunter Biden. They've been trying to tear him down in the media and try to uh, invalidate him with personal attacks, which seems like they do with a lot of people that disagree with them. And, you know, uh, Joe Biden was getting money from China from what it seems like. I mean, there's not going to be... I'd love to see an investigation. Uh, I would love to. So I'm, I, I do believe in 
the presumption of innocence. So I'm not saying he's guilty. I'm not saying that he should be thrown in prison. I do believe in that, that key, uh, just that, that is something that is just persistent in our, in our political system. It is something that's very important. It's very significant, that presumption of innocence. So I'm not saying the guy, it's, it's allegations as far as I'm concerned right now. Now, I don't know what's going to end up happening. I'd love to see an investigation, but I do not think that it will happen in a Biden presidency that will be swept right under the rug with no issue. Um, so, so what I got here is next, and this is kind of pertinent to what I've been talking about this entire time, because last night I did, I posted a, um, a picture. I'm not allowed to advertise any of my podcasts. I have not been allowed to at first when I went to, it was giving me the okay on Facebook, the thumbs up. And then afterwards I got an email saying you can't because it's political, which is kind of weird because my very first podcast that I tried to, uh, to advertise for was not a political podcast. It was just stating what, uh, the Federal's papers were and analyzing and summarizing the very first paper. And, uh, I did, but I did, I will admit that I did put it out to be aimed towards a political audience. Now, well, my question is, is I've put up my podcast in terms of political, uh, in terms of Federalist Papers is not political. It's generally, I go out there and I give you exactly what they say, and then I expound upon it from from what my view is, because a lot of these papers, they use old-time English, and they're kind of hard to understand and comprehend, which is the reason I have this podcast. Uh, and I'm going to be coming out with the book as soon as that copyright passes through. It's all written. It's not long. It's going to be about 90-something pages. Uh, the regular Federalist Papers, if you buy it, it's about 400 pages. So I'm talking about a quarter cut. It's going to be written in regular English. It's not going to be hard for you to understand or comprehend. I will be taking quotes just like I do here, and then I will you know, explain those quotes. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a nice read, and I think I'm going to put it on uh, Kindle. From what I understand right now, I think it's going to be Kindle at 99 cents a piece. So it's going to be cheap. What my main, what my main objective is, is truly with this right now. It's, it's, Hey, I I love to be able to quit my day job and just do this all the time. Talk about, you know, uh, our system, our political system, our constitution and the ideals therein and the principles and the core values of this, this country and history, because I like history as well. But what I want to do is I really just want to inform people. Uh, I want people to be edgy. I don't even care where you, you line up politically on the left or the right, but I want you to know that there was this constitution with these founding principles. And it seems like a lot of our politicians uh, on both sides, I don't, I don't really discriminate on both sides. They don't really follow this, this constitution. They don't follow those founding principles a lot of the time. So that's really w- why I do this because I'd like to see more people more educated, and I hate to use the word educated because it's that simple phrase that everyone uses. Oh, educated! You got to be educated. I want my kid to get an education. I want them to go to college. Going to college doesn't necessarily mean that you're educated. You know, um, I like the word. I like to use the word well-read because educated to me is almost like a negative connotation at this point. Because all these people that go go to college, you go to college, you get out, you have no idea what the heck's going on. You have no clue. 
So it doesn't make you any more intelligent than anybody else. So you can go to college for four years or you can go work for uh, picking up garbage for four years. My own grandfather was a garbage man. He was one of the most intelligent guys um, from what I've heard from my father. He knew ever. I mean, he knew stats. He knew he was very well read. He knew what he was talking about, everything. If he was going to open his mouth to talk about it, he was very well informed. So I really like to use educated, but I, I liked people to just go out there and read and try to understand uh, what's going on really and if they if they decide to reject those principles that's fine i have no problem with that i mean i would just like them to know that there is another side and it seems like right now with what's going on, on social media from people that are my age they they must believe there's no other side there's only this one way of thinking and i mean there's a 50 50 vote in this country or close to that 50 percent of people feel this way 50 percent of the people feel this way but only one percent i mean the other side only they get all the news they get all the coverage so that's really what i'm here for so what i got here is i got a source from lawfare blog and what it does is i'm going to leave that that source link it's just an article about how trump was proposing revisions to section 230 c section 230 is part of the uh i don't remember exactly the act but what it does is section 230 it defends these social media companies, which is in, in part a good thing. It defends them from people that go on their site and will say, uh, you know, obscene things or what have you because they technically are not considered a publisher. They're considered like a platform. So because it's a platform, it's like if I stand in the middle of the city and I'm just talking smack the whole time, it's, it's kind of covered under freedom of speech doing that it is it's covered under freedom of speech so for these social media companies the reason for this section 230 to begin with the reason they had this was to protect them from liability from people suing them civilly saying oh you know this person said something that was very uh, nasty to me and rude and i'm going to sue you guys because you allowed them to say it now that's something that i have no issue with uh we should protect those avenues because i think it's the best way to provide discourse amongst differing views or dissenting opinions i think that there should be no shutdown of speech um unless if it calls for acts of violence or threats of violence now they these social media platforms have been shutting down speech not and that do not pertain to those two things acts of violence or threats of violence uh, calls for violence so the provision 230 section c 2a which offers immunity to providers from civil liability for any action taken in good faith to restrict or remove material that the provider or its users consider to be obscene quote and i quote obscene lewd lascivious filthy excessively violent harassing or otherwise objectionable whether or not such material is constitutionally protected, end quote. So this 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 here is what the um, issue is. So they originally came out with that to protect these these agencies, and then it said, but you know, from what I just read, you can get rid of that obscene, lewd, you know, filthy, violent, uh, harassing. I'm not gonna say the other one because I can't really pronounce it. Lascivious. Um, but, but the problem is, the very end of this provision, it says, or otherwise objectionable, which is such a broad term. 
So in your eyes, you can view anything as otherwise objectionable. If you just disagree with it, it's otherwise objectionable. And that's what it seems like that's what they do here in the current social media climate. I mean, I'm not even able to uh, to do $10 worth of ads on Facebook. Just get a couple of views. I'm trying to get my podcast out there. I'm not even allowed to do that. And my stuff wasn't even political. And at the time, it was, oh, because uh, the very the very day that I did it, oh, well, we don't want you to impact the election, whatever, whatever. That was the reason that I was not allowed to uh, advertise on Facebook at first. That was the very first reason. Okay, that's fine. Now what? It's the It's the 7th. It is the 7th of November. Why can't I advertise now? It's over. You said your you said your media company CNN just just called it CNN Fox News. They just both called called the election even though technically actually it isn't over. They just called it. So why is it that I can't go and I can't advertise? So that that's a that's a huge issue right now and anyone that anyone that does believe in those values like a like a Tim Pool even though he is on the political the opposing side of the side that's getting shut down. He's on the left. He is of the left. He's much more of a moderate on the left, but he's a liberal. He's a classical liberal, as in he believes in those values. He believes that everyone has that freedom of speech and it should be protected and you shouldn't be getting your ideas taken off the internet just because someone disagrees with you because that's not the right way to do it. That's how you create the echo chamber and the reverberation that has been persistent in our our discourse online from what i've seen i mean facebook i got about 300 friends after this video i might lose some who knows maybe more people might view or they may block me but that's how it happens that's how there's nothing but everyone's repeating the exact same phrase the exact same talking points over and over again so um that'll be it for for my video here and uh please like share subscribe and uh, make sure you drop the mic, as in my name, that's the pun, drop the mic on some people, let them know about the podcast, try to use word of mouth to get it around, considering I can't put up ads, and um, I guess I'll see you next time, next video is going to be coming out Monday, it's going to be Federalist number, uh, number four, number four, thank you, have a good weekend everybody.